It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't fuck it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What's up, Buttercups? This is a fantastic live show I recorded, or I can't say I recorded it, the wonderful people at Free the People, Matt and Terry Kibbe, uh, Logan and Miguel, they had helped us out at Porkfest by allowing us to use their bountiful resources of multi-cameras, wonderful microphones, etc., to record a live show at Porkfest, which features me, Angela McArdle, and Matt Kibbe. I'm going to play for you in just a moment. By the way, we will have the video of this, but because of the holiday weekend, because of some travel, and because of the, uh, the sophistication of the multi-camera format, which we are being helped out with uh, by Miguel over there at Free the People, which, by the way, go support Free the People, doing amazing work, making documentaries, changing minds, and now doing comedy sketches with Lou Perez, and hopefully some of my sketches soon. Uh, they're a fantastic organization, so check out Free the People. But we will have a video of this if you are so inclined, but it's going to be a little, uh, little bit, probably probably a couple days to a week before you can get that up. So tune in for that. Should you desire otherwise into the podcast. Uh, the only thing I remember really is my penis getting caught on a tree branch. And after that happened, I got an extra inch. So that's pork fest circumcision. Yeah. I'm no longer, I'm now circumcised. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There's some happy squirrel in a little foreskin hat running around the woods. Oh, jeez. All right. Hey, you people, come on over here. We're doing another podcast. It's going to be fantastic. Come on now. Don't be shy. Beers. I think they're afraid you're going to do... Check the walls. Is that urine? No, it's smells. Oh, God. That's even that's an even worse answer. All right. Well, this guy's just just walked up. This is Mean Age Daydream, guys. Welcome. I'm Brian McWilliams, of course, joined by Angela McArdle, chair of the Libertarian Party, and the one of the older Matt Kibbe of Free the People. I'm looking at the wrong cameras. I'm looking at at News Anchors. No idea what's happening. That's the camera. So, guys, thank you both for joining me. Uh, We're having a wonderful pork fest here. We're live. Angela has abandoned her child with her husband, which is always a dubious proposition, so we won't take too long. But first things first. So it's been a long time since I caught up to you. Um, I want to get into a little bit of talk about messaging and a concept that that I've been noodling around. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you what's going on, right? We just saw RFK speak. Yep. We, We got a fantastic response. Uh, from the party, or from the attendees, I'll say at Porkfest. But what is happening with the Libertarian presidential candidate? Has Dave Smith uh, abandoned us? Uh, who's in the field now? Mike Termat? I don't know who else is out there, or what what your your feelings are and what's happening. I think you should set up a podcast episode with Dave Smith to get Dave Smith's uh, scoop on whether or not he's running. I think that would be really exciting. Is he, he's not going. He's not going to ditch me and, uh, and avoid the topic. He's going to answer it. You think he's going to come on? Dead silence. Excellent. <laughs> if I could speak on behalf of Dave, I would be speaking on behalf of Dave right now. Oh. But as we all know, you know, even if I were to try to, Dave doesn't let anyone get a word in edgewise. Nah, so, well, we zing. So, yeah. Brian could try. Like, I could, oh, I could get a word in. Don't you worry. 
I'll have, I'll have flashcards. I will say that it's still a little bit early. Everyone is really antsy because primary season is upon us. Yeah. But with Libertarian Party presidential candidates, most of them are generally washed up Republicans or broke ass comedians. So they don't <laughs> jump in until they feel that they absolutely have to. So are you telling me to join the race? <laughs> that leaves us with this awkward, like, quiet moment in election season. Like in the cycle, where, yeah. where there's just not a lot going on. So, I, you know, I'm trying to fill the void of that as much as possible with uh, angry, ragey tweets. Nice. Which is, uh, we feed the people tweets, because that's what the people demand. Uh, and anti-war activism and all kinds of other cool stuff. But I am hoping that we see a little bit more momentum in our presidential primary, at least by the end of the summer. Well, here's a question. So you, you both saw uh, RFK speech yesterday at, at here Pork Fest. Or at least I, pres- I presume you I got in. I did not in. get to see it all. You didn't get? Oh, okay. Well, but you got in. Because it was funny because I was well, ahead I of you in line. I was not in. There's, there's, there's radio. I, you didn't I've get in? A, You're the chair I've of the Libertarian Party. You couldn't get in to watch the speech? I've got a tent to tend to. And so when things happen, I've got a tent to the tent. Well, what happened? You had to tend to the tent. Was there Jeez, a fire? Jeez, why is this, uh, this inside baseball? You just, <laughs> well, what is I mean, this? I've got to know. Calm I, I down, know, Nick I know Gillespie. The, <laughs> I, I know the answer to I'm this. I'm not wearing a leather jacket. I mean, what's the answer? Right? I know the answer to this because her volunteers got a little too drunk the night before <laughs> and, and failed <laughs> to show really up. <laughs> I love it. She's not going to say a word. Name names. <laughs> yeah, call them out right now. <laughs> All right, well, so you, then you didn't get to see the whole thing, but RFK Jr. had a lot of a lot of support, a lot of momentum, and you know he really gave libertarians, as I've described it, a real juicy hand job. Yeah, um, saying that you guys are the critical thinkers that we need you. You're necessary. You're vital. And somebody had asked me yesterday if I thought that RFK Jr., presuming that the Democratic Party gives him the old, uh, you know, Bernie ass fucking that we yeah. know is infinitely possible and, and probable, if he would consider running as a libertarian. Now, if that happened. What do you think? You know, would you both accept him as a libertarian? Do you think that he has would have a viable candidacy, and should we accept him? The conversation I've had with people who ask this is, I, I say generally, I want to help him make a path forward into being a libertarian. I don't know if he is the person that the Mises Caucus should be running as their first uh, presidential candidate, and I say that and. As a caveat that the LNC is not the Mises Caucus, but, like, who are we kidding? Mm. Um, I want to make sure that whatever relationship we have with him is as good as possible. Because if he jumps in our race, I think you're going to see a ton of people turn out to state conventions to vote for him. And I'm not going to be the person with egg on my face saying, we don't like RFK. Uh, he's not good enough. Mm. We need to highlight the things that he's got right. And we need to help him on the things that he has not got right yet. Yeah. I think that's the most diplomatic way for me to put it. I'd, I'll also say, though, that Dennis Kucinich is his campaign manager. Dennis is a friend of mine. He spoke at the Rage Against the War Machine rally. He's an awesome dude. And um, it makes me feel really good that he's the campaign manager. Like, that's solid leadership. He gets it. And he is he has given us some some help. Is, is all I'll say. You know, like hmm. Dennis still has other relationships to maintain in the Democratic Party, but he has been really, really good to us with some inside baseball, and so uh, I appreciate it. What about you, Kibby? I mean, would you would you uh, support RFK if he joined the Libertarian Party or so I, Libertarian? I, I went to that speech, and you know, and, I, and we've talked about this already. I, my question 
is I, I don't think he said very much almost to a word that I disagreed with in that speech, and I haven't heard very many other candidates make such a strong case against the biosecurity state and the censorship ap- apparatus. I've also started to read some of his history and some of the other positions he's had, and he may have had a an honest sort of red pill moment when he realized that the biosecurity state was everything. And it is absolutely consistent with his views um, questioning never-ending war, for instance, because mm-hmm. these, these two things, lockdowns and, and, and wild science experiments with uh, mRNA vaccines, all that stuff is part of the military-industrial complex we're starting to learn. And he tells that story quite well. Um, and, you know, what I said, actually, in, in my debate with Jeremy Kaufman, what I said was, um, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's he's actually had a fundamental transition, like that moment where he's like, you know what, government's no damn good, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it destroys human beings, and I, I think that's, that's a fundamental violation of, of what I've always believed. Um, or he's saying it because he thinks there's a constituency for that. And he might be a very good politician that's, that's, that realizes that there's a lot of people that are, are pissed off and angry. I happen to think that that constituency is real, and I happen to think that the Libertarian Party should be the party that, that capitalizes on that. But um, I'm not going to give you an answer because I'm like, I love what he's saying. I love that he's, he's tearing up the Democratic primary. Um, I wish more candidates were saying things like that. I would love for that to be the consensus opinion across all the candidates so whoever wins, we don't get screwed again. Right. Well, I think it's, it's interesting. You're saying it's either that he has had a red pill moment and he believes what he's saying, right? And I and that's what I truly believe. I think he has had a red pill yeah. moment. I think that his views, again, on the CIA, the deep state, the censorship state that exists that's coming after him full bore. You see all these articles coming out demonizing him. And I, I would say that what convinces me that he's authentic and not just doing this as a politician is uh, – He's talking about vaccinations yeah. causing autism. And as a politician, if you're simply trying to appeal to consist, uh, as constituency, you don't make that move. That's one. That, that's a it's a third rail issue that, you know, is going to get you condemnation from the media as we're seeing play out right now. So I think it's not about politics for him anymore. It's about a true belief and a true conversion of his philosophy and his thinking. Total condemnation. Yeah. So. So I wasn't really public about it until the 2020 and the, you know, Operation Warp Speed and all that. But I have been like a hardcore anti-vaxxer most of my adult life. I haven't had a vaccine since I was like 19 years old. Very opposed to it. I worked on overturning the the SB 277, the, the legislative bill in California that removed medical and religious exemptions. Or I'm sorry, not medical religious and philosophical exemptions for all schools, including private schools, mm-hmm. back in 2015. Um, even back then, before the lockdowns and, oh, my gosh, you know, we're all going to die, people would throw literal garbage at me in front of the health food health food store when I was trying to get signatures for this. Like, Maybe they were trying to feed you. They thought and, you were a homeless. Right. Definitely. <laughs> if I'm out collecting signatures, like, there is no worse job. So I think he's aware of how bad, you know, the the vibes are mm. on that topic. And, you know, he was, he basically, he had to be outed like in a very like hardcore way over the last three years. He knows, he knows what he's up against. It's not, you can't do that for show. That's yeah. just not the sort of topic you tackle to put on a show. It's, yeah, it's mean, you're all in or you're not. It's, uh, it does seem that he, he has two options at this point. 
and it is to rise to absolute prominence. I, I mean, I think he's literally putting it all on the line here. Yeah. yeah there's a, cause, because if he fails in this campaign, he may still, when uh, we'll do some q at the very end, yeah. But it, it, he may still fail in this campaign, but it's either you go full bore and you risk it all, which is seemingly what he is doing, knowing that he is getting condemned from every angle, and put it on the line, or at this point, you, what's the point of doing anything, right? I mean, he, you see how much we've lost, and he talks about the lockdowns, talks about the damage done. The man is literally putting it out there and, I think, risking everything, even to the point where you could argue risking the Kennedy family name. Yep. Right, which is uh, symbolic in American society. Yep. He could, if he fails miserably, he could legitimately destroy the Kennedy legacy of political prominence. Well, and you have to respect a man who's willing to put that on the line, your family name on the line. Well, I mean, you know, there's also Ted Kennedy. So, isn't he dead? We were trying to figure this out yesterday. <laughs> we were Google legitimately, yeah. yes, he's dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, then fuck Ted Kennedy. He's dead in the ground. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, he, as far as legacies go, like yeah. that man was, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, he had his dalliances. Kind of drowned. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's not a dalliance, by the way. <laughs> It's a, there's a different word for it, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of words. So for it. You, you said risking everything, and I'll take it a step further. And this is why um, I I want to believe. I'm, I'm skeptic of all politicians, honestly, and and we all should be all the time, because some of them, some of them lie. I don't know if you knew. No, this. sorry, blew your not mind. anyone I've ever voted for. Yeah, um, but when when you say putting it all in the line. He's taking on the most powerful coalition of monsters in the world right now. The combination of the war state and the, the lockdown state, which is one just big, fat, profitable collusion between big business and big government. Um, and he's a Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's unaware of, of the consequences of toppling that regime. I mean, look, I wasn't I, I've never wanted to shoot anybody before but i mean just having been in a room with a kennedy i was like should i just shoot this guy just to do it it seems like it's the thing to do i mean with a shot a vaccine is what, it, what you yes, mean we're that's talking what about, I'm about shots. clearly i mean a shot of whiskey yeah is what i'm talking about well yeah i mean he so continuing this path this, right i mean i'm sure this is going to perform super well on youtube now <laughs> YouTube sorry. is already <laughs> sorry, Dennis. <laughs> oh, Dennis on the show next. Um, so, continuing this this theme, though, right? We're talking about RFK putting it on the line. So, th again, this comes back around to the Libertarian Party not having a candidate, the Democratic Party possibly screwing this guy over, probably screwing this guy over. Sure. I I mean, we've seen other candidates in the past. I just broke this chair. I think um, coming to the Libertarian Party, famously. Bill Weld, one of the biggest pieces of human garbage, in my opinion, yep. that has ever existed. We had the last election cycle. There were a couple of different like, politicians. Like more than Ted Kennedy? Is that what we're saying here? I'm going to say yes. His Ted criminal... Kennedy at least had a reason for his uh, dalliances. Bill Weld's <laughs> criminal justice track record was really bad. Despicable. Yeah. Despicable. So, but point being, we had these candidates come in from other parties and they try to appeal to the libertarian base. And one we, other and, party. One other party. And some of these people, the pragmatic caucus primarily, would bend over backwards to kiss these people's asses. But now with RFK Jr., I could see people legitimately getting behind him to a huge extent. The question would be, as a libertarian party, 
would we want that or not? I mean, is it is it worth throwing the power behind him of the libertarian vote that might cost, let's say, I mean, Donald Trump, fuck Donald Trump, but let's say there's a, yeah, a, a DeSantis. I know we don't all like DeSantis necessarily, but he's a better option than a Biden would be. Oh, he's 100 percent be, better. In my opinion, anyway. But I, I'm not confident that his campaign is going to pull it off. I don't think they are. Either. I don't think it's going to. So I, I personally, I think it's the ultimate fucking troll that everybody screamed that the Mises caucus is a bunch of Republicans and we're just evil Republicans. And then I come in and I do an anti-war issue coalition with people on the left. And oh, then God, if we end up with RFK Jr. <laughs> as our nominee. <laughs> well, here's honk, a question. Honk. Here's a question for you guys. So uh, Tucker Carlson, I don't know if you saw this, Tucker Carlson had just done a live stream yesterday. Now, you know, Tucker Carlson, his Twitter streams are getting, I mean, I, I swear to God, it's got to be 100 million views. Cool. For episode. He just did an extended 20-minute-long episode about RFK Jr., about uh, his discussion with Peter you know, Hotez and how this isn't working out. This guy, this fucking coward scientist. Now the question is, does RFK Jr. have enough power behind him? If you can get not only libertarians who, let's, let's be honest, unless the candidate's Dave Smith, if RFK does get in there, it's probably in our best interest to support RFK. Now, if you can get a coalition of libertarians, of Democrats that, that know that Biden's a psychopath and these secret silent majority, which I do think exists, of people that know what's happening with COVID, that know what's happening with CRT, that want to defend their children's, you know, from being inundated with this bullshit, that want the war in Ukraine to end. If you have a coalition between the Tucker Carlson contingent of GOP voters and libertarians and Democrats, RFK has a legitimate shot of becoming president. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, how much does the Tucker Carlson endorsement mean? And do you think there is a legitimate shot for RFK to legitimately become president? I don't. Mm, best case scenario, I think it's close. Uh, would I be worried about ballot access? No. <laughs> would it look? Would we be coming out better than Joe Jorgensen? Sorry, Joe. Yes. Old Milky George. That's what I call her because she's she's basically like drinking milk. She's the worst. Okay, I thought you were going somewhere else with that, and I just had to like. Ah, I'm not going. What, what, what do you think I was going with it? Come on now, Angela. She's not pregnant with giant milky boobs from having a baby. We're already. We're, Neither we're, am I. Uh, we're already struck from you. Know you know you weren't getting. You know there's something going to be yeah. inappropriate on this show. This is mean age dating. For sure. Angela. <laughs> um, so I, I'm gonna. I try not to do politics. It's like a. It's like a yeah. That's the, I'm of course to, not. I'm trying to swear off of this stuff, but. <laughs> But I, I would I would say generally, and and the fact that Tucker Carlson and RFK, and a bunch of former lefty comedians that used to abuse the hell out of me, like Bill Maher, mm. and 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 Russell Brandt, and and all these guys, there is a realignment happening. That again, the libertarians should be in a perfect position to exploit this opportunity. But there's a realignment of non-authoritarians coming from the left and the right and the center and just people that never paid attention before. It reminds me of some of the dynamics we saw in the early days of the Tea Party back when Occupy Wall Street and Tea Party protesters were, were kind of saying the same thing about crony capitalism and Wall Street bailouts. Um, there is an opportunity there. They don't have a home. They're casting about and and someone's going to find a home for them. Mm -hmm. And And personally, I think it should be the Libertarian Party. But I don't know. Like, I don't know how this plays out. Like, um, it kind of depends how RFK performs in the primary and what extraordinary measures they take 
to um, Tulsi him or Bernie him or Ron Paul him, <laughs> as the Republican Party has done as well. Um, I think they'll go to any means necessary because they keep just moving the goalpost yeah. um, to goalposts to, to put up their, their, their lame-ass stuffed candidate. And he is by far a greater danger than a Tulsi or a Bernie or yes. a Ron Paul. Yes, I mean, he by is. far. Yes, he is. So I think really, like, I'm the one sitting here in the hot seat having the conversation, but the question needs to be posed to the rank-and-file party members and the people who are delegates. Mm-hmm. It's... Do you think that we can actually squeeze enough out of this, especially if you get the right vice presidential candidate who's willing to go hard on secession, mm-hmm. go hard on all the things where RFK Jr. is like, ah, I, you know, that's not my wheelhouse. I don't know about that. Can you find someone who's complimentary enough to be his freaking road dog and say, you know, like, fuck the government? If you can find that, I think this is a sweet spot that we have, like, we've never had this opportunity mm-hmm. before, and we would be dumbasses if we fuck it up. Yeah. Now, do I think that we need to have RFK Jr. and a washed-up Republican governor? No, I think that's an absolute death sentence to us. That is, it's not a good fit for him. It's not a good fit for us. I don't want that in my legacy. But, um, you know, I'm going to try to read the writing on the wall historically and not be unwelcoming to someone who could really get things out there on medical uh, freedom, on the dangers of central bank digital currency, and someone from the left who used to be a hardcore climate change warrior who is now waking up to the dangers of the World Economic Forum and how that shit is being weaponized against us by globalists. That's like a pretty good opportunity. So I'm going to be pretty welcoming and and generous and, and try to be more helpful than beating someone over the head because they fucked up a question or two like right let's let's extend a hand and make a path so that if it happens it's a good thing and it's not awkward and weird yeah libertarians have a habit of making the perfect the enemy of the good but rfk's evolution as you said on climate change i mean he's on record now talking about how privatization yes. is the key to fighting climate change i mean that's pretty goddamn awesome he's on record now we asked him about uh where or carla Garicki asked him i think i screwed her name up but she had asked him about reigning the empire and his answer on that was fantastic. You know, the, the, the billions spent, you know, the amount of money wasted, the trillion dollar budgets, how he's reigning this in and he wants to close the base. I mean, it is legitimately like hearing Ron Paul talk about reigning in the empire. Yeah. Quite literally. I remember the exact same points being made. Well, you know, and that's interesting because Dennis Kucinich has been on the Ron Paul Liberty Report before mm-hmm. and he's a friend of Ron Paul's. So so there you go. We also and we did invite Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to speak at the Rage Against the War Machine rally, but he had a conflict with his book tour, mm. which that's totally fine. So a we, grifter. Uh, how dare he <laughs> write things and sell them and, you know, share <laughs> his knowledge. Only idiots write books and sell them. Right, Matt? Everyone yeah. who's smart does a podcast. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. The podcast yeah. is the only way forward. You please never su- have to please write support our podcast. Down. We eat ramen noodles every night. I, I want to make a shout out to something. I, I think Angela agrees with me, but maybe she doesn't. But um, when I joined the LP, I always made it very clear that I'm agnostic ultimately about parties I want to hear what people stand for and I'm, I'm for values not not mm-hmm. parties and I'm not just going to sign a blank check to some party because they on paper they say they stand for these mm-hmm. things so when I hear RFK say something and I, he says something great I'm going to say something positive about it I'm not going to attack him because he's a different team uh, I would say the same thing about Thomas Massey or Rand Paul who I do a lot of work with and, and I try not to sling a lot of arrows at um, my LP compatriots when they say something I disagree with 
because we shouldn't spend so much time kicking the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. But we, we should be lifting up values that, that are consistent with that. And I think that's a way to draw people in who, you know, maybe they come to an RFK rally. Maybe they went to a Bernie Sanders rally. And we're the guys that sound like cool and reasonable and, and open and welcoming. I think that's our posture. I think that's where we should be. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's, uh, let's transition to a different topic here because I want to talk about something additionally. Uh, I'll start off with uh, messaging. You're talking about how to draw people in. And you know, Matt and I and, and what Free the People are doing, uh, we have a very similar philosophy of, of becoming a little bit more expansive, a little bit more emotional in the, the lore and the hook to libertarianism mm -hmm. instead of hard facts, hard logic, which seemingly has failed us. Now... Angela, so here's a question for you because I, I was having an argument last night with Logan, who's doing sound. Logan pissed me off so much. I was jumping up and down. So Well, you were liquored up too. I was so. very liquored up. But so but so was he in well, my defense. Is that true? No, so anyway, I, can I get some more whiskey, Terry, are you here? <laughs> sure, yes! Thank you, Terry. Um, no, so the question is I've got a uh, a philosophy which is essentially coming down to the fact that the Libertarian Party, and this was mentioned in, I think, actually, Kibbe, you might have mentioned it in your debate with Jeremy Kaufman, but it's essentially that the Libertarian Party does not sell a dream. They do not embody yeah. a dream of freedom and what's possible. It's more focused on facts and logic. And this concept I, I'm talking about, I'm working on the, this book about it, is freedom futurism, where essentially what I think we need to do more in our messaging, more in what we're talking about, is tell people something that may not be exactly in the realm of truth. Now, I know as libertarians, we have an issue with that. But what I t when I say it's not necessarily in the realm of truth, what I'm talking about is looking at a combination of fantasy and a combination of science fiction, a combination of philosophy. Now, I'll explain this. I'll, let me unpack okay. it for you so I can get your opinion on it. Okay. What the Democrats do is they sell you this progressive vision of the future, right? You will not have to work and you won't, you know, you won't have to do this and that and we'll take care of this and, and everybody will be equal and all races will be happy and, and skipping and children will have education and we'll bring you to schools and we'll give you your lunch. They sell you a vision of the future and they tell you it's going to be this wonderful, fantastic thing. And where I think libertarian philosophy breaks down so often is that all we tell people is that we're going to take something away. And we very seldomly tell them, here's how things are going to be better. And if we do, it might be an incrementally better, right, uh, based in hardcore reality. But the problem is hardcore reality doesn't actually sell anybody on anything. And it doesn't convert people into hardcore believers, mm -hmm. wherein even if you fail, even if we don't have concrete proof of what is happening right now, which we don't because we don't control the mechanisms of government, we have to have people believe in the possible and the promise of the dream. So where do you both come down on that? Do you think it's immoral for us to talk to people and sell them a dream, which may not happen, may not be possible, but for us to project a future that we think has the potential to happen under a libertarian philosophy? For example, Angela, I'd, you would like this tweet I tweeted out saying, why don't we have flying cars? Ask a libertarian. Yeah, for sure. So what are your thoughts on that? And I'm, I know I'm just dropping this on you straight out of 10,000 feet, but that's the way I like to do it here. No, I, I completely <laughs> agree. We need to be selling a vision. Uh, we're, we're a little bit understaffed right now in the vision department. So if you'd like to come on as a volunteer, 
I, I, Angela, I told you I'd be there okay. for you. The reason Let's I haven't it. is because I feel insulted you haven't asked me. Okay. Well, I'm asking you now formally if okay. you want to join our messenger in residence program. I am d- all the way in. All right, 100. Handshake on handshake on yeah. camera. I'll give you a backhand because I can't reach around the mic. Wow. All right. <laughs> I'm not your husband. Oh. <laughs> Call it to Austin. Where you at? He's with the baby. Oh yeah, yeah. He can't beat you when he's with the baby. No. So anyway, <laughs> no. I'm all the way in. I mean, I'm happy to, to wait on it. But yeah, but right, you agreed then on the morality of, and this is where Logan. I want you know, here and I were fighting last night. I agree. It's it's not immoral because look, number I, one, I, I want to quibble with your framing though. Yes, yes. Please, please, I, I thank you. I don't think it's let's let's refine this. I don't think it's dishonest. I forget the word exactly you used. Um, to immoral. Immoral. Or? Immoral. Dishonest. A lie. To lay out a beautiful vision of, of what what could be the ide- ideal type, the mm-hmm. ideal world that we want to live in, where 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 people are free to sort of pursue their dreams and 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 achieve dignity and and cooperate and do beautiful things together, that is the libertarian vision, and and I've always characterized it, and I don't think there's anything dishonest about about saying this, and I'll give you a specific example. Um, years ago, I think it was a Students for Liberty thing, we had this, this competition hosted by an organization where young libertarians were going to pitch healthcare reform. I don't and think there's a thing as a young libertarian. Are you sure you have your terms correct? What? A young libertarian? A young I don't think those exist. I think there's, you have no, to there's three. be jaded by life. There's three of them. <laughs> okay. Dude, there's one right there. There you go. Third yeah. one. I'm the young You're yeah. like 28. Oh, you look terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You look great. <laughs> You're right. Guns do provide polite society. <laughs> All right. So there are young libertarians. We've empirically proven this claim. And and they were assigned a task to give an emotional story-based pitch on why we need to fix the healthcare system, which means dismantling the inter- entire structure and doing something else. Almost to a person... They put up a big fat spreadsheet mm. and ran us through the numbers as to why Obamacare didn't work and all that. And when I'm hanging out with my progressive friends um, at something called the Civic Collaboratory, um, they pitch healthcare too. But I hear a story that gets me choked up about a mom that can't find the healthcare that her child needs. And and I think the the path forward, and I think this is what you're saying, is that we're good at the rage against the machine stuff. We're sort of angry at, at the, the Fed and the war state and, and mass incarceration, all these things. We, we can talk about how evil the government is and how it crushes human, human lives and human spirits, but we don't have that, that beautiful alternative thing mm-hmm. because it doesn't get as many clicks. And and we have should, to create but, that beautiful vision. And I think it, but I think it could, and I think it will. I mean, I use the flying car example because there's no matter what the technological advancements are, right? Everybody goes, well, we've got uh, we've got Amazon that can deliver uh, a uh, rubber dildo to your house in a day, but we're the flying cars, which is why I use the flying cars For in my sure. tweet. For sure. It's a, it's a total trope. It's a trope, right? Yeah. But lean into the trope. Okay, here's the trope. Why don't we have flying cars? Yeah, why don't we have fucking flying cars? We should totally well, have flying cars. We can tell you because we know why we don't have flying but cars. But this is, like, even simpler than that, this is a goal. You know, like, if I'm like, hey, we have awesome secession shirts at the LP tent right now, limited edition. They're only $30. Our goal is to make at least a thousand bucks off of them. We want to make a thousand dollars. We want to make a thousand dollars. That's 
that's not a lie. It's a goal that we're working towards. Right, it, yeah. You know, we want flying cars. Yeah. Where are the people who are going to give you flying cars? Right. Exactly. People understand that. That's not weird. And I think that's the thing is I, I think we need to be more aggressive. And this is where, you know, again, a lot of people have a, an aversion to saying, look, we're going to give you flying cars. We're going to give you peace. We're going to give you prosperity. We're going to make sure your business is going to succeed. You know what we should be emulating? The most cringe um, trans kids activists, they have the energy. They're like, we are transing your kids. Yeah. We need to be like, we are bringing flying cars. Yes, exactly. Right. They're, we're gonna, they're we're, like, they have drunk their own Kool-Aid. They're just like chugging it. Uh, we, we, uh, we need to drink our own Kool-Aid. I think it's called snowballing. Matt, anything to add? <laughs> I was like, not going for that joke. <laughs> Ah, happily, and and maybe I'm just naive, but I don't even know what the fuck you're talking. You don't about. need that's to for know. The best. That's that's probably for the best. Urban Dictionary will later. Yeah, uh, when yeah, you're don't, alone, don't Google it on DuckDuckGo if you have to. Yeah, yeah, you may know you want to shy away from that. Okay, so next topic that I want to get into a little bit here. Um, so, Angela, what is your? You've been the libertarian chair now for how long? Eight months? No, a year. A year? Okay. A year. I wanted to hear a little bit about what your take is on what's going on with the party. You know, how how's recruitment gone? Is it what can be done better? What can be worse? And also having taken over the chair role. Yep. What is the reality of what you deal with versus what the perception was going in? And how much and and how much tangible change have you been able to make? In the face of, I'm sure, some opposition. It is tough. We basically had to disentangle and dismantle the deep state of the LP. Mm. And I want to give all the dirt on it, and one day I will, but right now for this legal reasons. Oh. Right now for, let me, but let me give you a little legal superficial, superficial overview. Yeah, That's a lawyer, Matt. Well, promise you? him the exclusive when, when you're ready. Because yes. you don't, cause you don't badmouth your former staff too aggressively on... Uh, Social media and, and media in general, because they'll come back and sue your ass. Oh. But I, I will tell you that the dysfunction was very, very deep. Uh, sabotage was a very, very real thing, and it was completely all-consuming. Mm. And it is a really good lesson as to what you what waits in the wings for you if you get elected to actual public office. And I'm sure it's far worse trying to take apart corruption in in government versus just like a private organization like this but that's what happens when you have um well-meaning naive people who get like basically sideswiped by pragmatists and what i think are federal operatives it's yeah. it's really hardcore um we're mostly done now but it was really a solid year's worth of cleanup and it was it was pretty pretty hideous but aside from that, that's what's consumed a lot of my time. You know, we had the huge anti-war rally issue coalition movement. We're still moving forward with that. Uh, we're planning two more rallies, which is really, really fun. We're working on some more uh, mar merch. We're just retooling everything right now. We're also trying to do, we're trying to improve our finances. A lot of things were set up. Like, you'd think a party of people that's full of economists would know how to make money. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so so we've got some really cool things. My, my wife, wife would tell you that that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, economists are not good at making money. Uh, brutal, right? So we've got some cool stuff coming up. We're working on a, another rally called In the WEF, where we're going to take nice. apart World Economic Forum and so globalists. Who are, so who are the partners in that? Because I, I, there was 
there was a lot of blowback, and I had defended you on this uh, on the podcast because I thought the blowback was ridiculous. You know, yeah. when you had the anti-war rally, people were saying, well, you can't team up with these people. And you're like, wait, why no. not? I'm sorry, is, is, is war, is the war state not a, a major issue that should transcend squabbles on, you know, on policy matters if you can combine to get attention, if you can combine to create a larger event and hopefully get media, and the media basically... Uh, I mean, almost blacked it out. Um, well, we got coverage on MSNBC twice. We had Rachel Maddow losing her mind over it. Like, she was literally stumbling over her words like her head was exploding. But we had another reporter from MSNBC who was on the ground who gave us more like local, like mm-hmm. exclusive coverage. And she was really complimentary. That, Of course, that one didn't get clipped by all the people who hate our guts. Oh, but, no, but we did get and we got a lot of international media coverage, too, which is great. We also inspired sister rallies literally across the world. And I'm working in an issue coalition right now called No to NATO. It's related to that with former uh, members of parliament in Britain. So oh, nice. That thing, like, it did a tremendous amount, like, across the world. We had so much impact. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Uh, and I'll ask this to Matt to bring yeah. you into the conversation on this topic. Do you think there is a line and a limit to what organizations we should try to partner with? You know, is, is there a limit? Should we, for example, is there a time... Or an occasion where we would partner with, let's say, you know, the most aggressive trans activist organization. Are the lines that you say, well, this is this is too ridiculous for us to partner with? Or do you say it doesn't matter? It's I mean, the issue is the issue. Um, I mean, there are definitely organizations we don't want to partner with. But but on people who are like, I would never go on Maddow because she's dishonest. Well, she's a lesbian. She wouldn't have you on top of her anyway. <laughs> For being honest. <laughs> so I've got a chance. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue, continue. I forget what I was saying. Um, <laughs> no, there's, there's, I mean, I, there's more organizations that I wouldn't work with that I could even list because I don't even know who they are. But yeah. sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not down with neo Nazis, um, particularly Illinois Nazis are the worst. Yes. Um, <laughs> Why Illinois Nazis? But, but I think I think with uh, honest coalition partners like Dennis Kucinich is a great example of someone that I would absolutely work with. Ron Paul did, mm-hmm. and and there's like if we were to list out all the things that he stood for all of the years he was in Congress, I think I mostly disagree with him. But on things that really really matter, he is awesome and he has credibility on this stuff. He's not he's not a bullshitter, and that to me like it's kind of a know it when I see it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The coalition should be as broad as possible, but you want to make sure that you're curating partners that are honest and and don't have such repugnant views on something that you just don't want to touch it. Right. So no Nambla. Nambla is <laughs> yeah, out. No to Nambla. Not inviting Nambla. What if I've, they were like, get us home out of Ukraine now? Stop killing the boys you want to fuck. No, no? Nambla. No <laughs> Nambla. <laughs> Have you tested that message before? <laughs> I'm, I'm selling a vision of the future. I buddy. also, I think it might be. I mean, I've heard some things about the Ukrainian government. I think, yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not great. Nothing I've heard is great. Maybe about we it. should go to war over there. <laughs> That's the issue. So, I mean, some of the partners that we had were were well. Let's think about who were the partners and who were the sponsors. Some mm-hmm. of the sponsors we had, people didn't like. Well, I'm sorry. We took their money and we put their logo up on a thumbnail on our website. 
get over it. Yeah. You know, it's not that big of a deal. What were some of the controversial sponsors? The Center for Political Innovation. They're a mostly communist group. Mm, okay. The thing is that a lot of these communist groups are hardcore anti-imperialists. They are very educated on the welfare warfare state. They're big on the welfare part. They're not big on the warfare part. Um, they they know they know foreign policy, and they're a hundred percent staunchly anti-war. Which that's great. Yes, th- that is good enough criteria for me to take one hundred dollars from you. Uh, to be honest, I never understood why people got upset about it. like if somebody you hate is paying for something that you like. To me, that's a win-win. Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry, your shitty organization I hate has less money, and now I have the money. This, yeah, take the money. This seems like the, uh, the biggest win that it could ever be. Like uh, they're this, agreeing. It's like beating somebody you hate in dodgeball for $20. Like, good, I beat you and I got your money. Like, what's wrong it's, with this? It's completely ridiculous. Um, I understand, like, if somebody was, was violent or, you know, like, had some something like that going on, especially, like, an active controversy, I'm going to avoid that. Um, I, see, I, even for me, I'm like, good, less money for you, great. Right, and if I you're just an have asshole, to use, good. I'm glad you have less money, and I'm glad I have it to do good things with. I have to use my best. Matt, judgment. you are uh, 0 for 20 in flicking that bug off. I don't know if anybody else has Let's watched see. this. No. He flicked literally 45 times and did not hit the bug once. By the way, we can all agree. Now that. it's living on his hand. This bug is your new friend. We, we can all agree that Illinois communists are off the table, right? I don't, I don't know what. Explain this to me. What's wrong with Illinois? I mean, I I, I I'm against it's, everything it's, in Illinois. It's a, it's a it's a Blues Brothers joke. Oh. It's, it's before your time. Is anyone with me? Come on. Somebody. Now I am. Please Google Illinois Nazis. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> so, okay. All so, my okay, cultural references are at least 30 years out of date. Uh, that's You're just going to have to live with I that watched a lot of old movies. Old movies. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, remember when Butch Cassidy the Sundance Kid got shot, Matt? Anyway, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And I love that movie. It's by the way my favorite movie. Yeah, um, so we had a great partnership with the People's Party. So they're basically ex-Bernie bros. They only have ballot access in a couple of states. Uh, they're super anti-war. They're also pro-free speech, which makes them a good partner for us. They're not offended communists by anything. Or pro-free speech? They're not communists. They're oh. like they're like socialists. Okay. They're populist socialists, so they're not like the woke angry ones. Very <laughs> pro-free speech. So it means they're like, oh, we don't care about your Twitter. We're not offended by that. Our Twitter's the same way. I'm like, oh, oh, oh wow, look at your Twitter. Oh, that's kind of <laughs> a little bit offensive there. Great. So that worked out really well. You know, they were also pro-Second Amendment. They are anti-central bank digital currency. Here I am selling them. Uh, they don't have ballot access, so don't ever vote for them. Where do I sign up for this? Right. Uh, but, yeah, they just, uh, they're not, they're bad at math, you know. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. By so, the way, RFK Jr. also... Loved his statement on central bank digital currencies. Just a flat out no. And actually, I tweeted this out. Sorry, this is a different topic, but it just reminded me. I tweeted this out that RFK Jr., people people asked him about uh, Ross Ulbrich. And I thought he gave a fairly, legitimately honest answer saying, look, I'll look into Ross Ulbrich's sentencing. Nice. I don't know the specifics. I'll look into it. And if it, if it looks like he's been made an example of, I'll pardon him. I got a lot of blowback on Twitter of people saying, oh, another empty promise. I'm I'm like, how did I... I think it's the most honest thing to it say. Was. I, I like people that say, look, I don't know. I didn't expect this question. Yep. Let me get back to you. I'll be looking into it. Okay, I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. Because, because he on. had asked, been asked before. Oh, okay. And, and I, I'm putting, I'm constructing words that I don't know are fundamentally true because 
He, Good. That's he, what I'm pitching. That's a freedom yeah, future. He, he was he was asked, <laughs> and I'm sure he said something like this. Where and, and if you're going to keep getting asked a question, at some point you actually have to incite yeah. someone to to check it out. I didn't realize he was a, asked it before. Yeah. So it's the second time he was asked the question, um, which I got from from Lynn, and I'm sure she was uh, excited about the answer. She seemed to be really moved by it, but I do think we should keep asking him that question. In hopes that he would actually check it out now, yeah. Let's so we know out. what he would actually yeah. do. Well, and I and I do like that he said concretely though, that he would pardon Assange and Snowden. Yeah, so he had checked that out. Yeah, and he made a categorical statement, and that to me is more valuable than what he said about Ross. Yeah, I'm making my wheeling and dealing list right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ross, Ross yeah, is at the top. Let's get this number up. one. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so I know we had a couple questions. Let me see how much time. We want. Okay, 15 minutes. That's a good time. So. Uh, I know you had a question, so I want you to either wait, just tell me the question. I'll repeat it. So let me know what your okay. question is. All right, can get a little close to you? Yeah. All right. So when I see people like actually here, here, just yeah. uh, speak in the mic right here. Okay, come on, come on in Let's that way because we're doing the pod, so I don't so, feel here. Since I've been here, this is my first Pokemon Fest. I see everybody that's uh, talking about things. There's not much disagreement. Um, because people talk about things. Stay like a couple days here. more. I, yeah, yeah. I want to see. Go to the bonfire what's, what's, last what's, night. Miguel almost started a riot. I, I want to see the riot. I want to see the next. <laughs> shake the walls. <laughs> so when I, I I've heard this quote on on, Bra- on Braveheart when they said it's easy to admire an uncompromising man, but the fact that we're that we're not like that makes us nobility. Hmm. Um, and and the fact is we all cheer Braveheart, freedom, but we want to win. Mm-hmm. And so when we see like RFK, I honestly, when I see Trump, he connected. He connected in a way that was gonna got a lot of people. I don't see the next Kennedy doing that. Hmm. Do you? Okay, interesting. So do I? Do I see Kennedy, or do we see Kennedy connecting with people like a Trump? Honestly, I see him connecting personally more than Trump. For me, I mean, and, and I might be wrong in yeah. this, but I, for me. He's tying into something that was such a fundamental violation of everything American, which was what happened with the lockdowns, which was destroying people's businesses, which was denying people education, which, I mean, everything that happened in the last three years was the absolute definity of a communist lockdown totalitarian state. And the fact that he's tying in and attacking this, I think, is cutting to the core of America more than what Donald Trump did about look you know immigration's a problem or the business or the you know, you know Americans need industry meanwhile Kennedy's still tying into that he's speaking to building back industry taking away from the military industrial complex which is what he said when he asked about the bases I want to take the money out of that and I want to put it back into industry now as libertarians we say well you know just fuck taking the money back just how about you just don't take the money but, sure. but still I think he's tying into such a core issue that every American felt like Trump's thing. You might not be a white man that used to work for. I said that like a black guy would. A white man. You might not be a white guy working at a, a power plant that got shut down. But with Kennedy, everybody got fucked by COVID. You guys thoughts? I, Lockdowns. Yeah. Not COVID. Sorry, COVID. It's yeah. Important. Yeah. I, I, important no, you're right. Yeah. That's picture. a very uh, agreed. Lockdowns, the government response to COVID. Well, yeah, I mean, Donald Trump did Operation Warp Speed. Mm-hmm. I don't get like, I don't understand why his own base is not more upset about that. I don't either. 
And that's that's fine. He's going to have some diehard supporters. I think that Trump has a totally different energy than RFK Jr. does, and that's totally okay. He's going to connect with different people. He's actually no, he's going to connect with some of the same people. I think it's just two different styles. Mm-hmm. So uh, I get the question about Donald Trump, like you know, having more like he's got more pizzazz. You know, he's got he's got goofier hair. He's got uh, he, he does like funny name calling. And RFK Jr. doesn't do that, but it's on such a like a personal, like serious level for most of us that I think that he connects with people that way. And it's a it's a you know what it is? It's a topic of vulnerability. Mm. Putting yourself out there on such a controversial topic, not just COVID shots, but all of them, mm-hmm. that's that's like a real act of trust it's like i'm trusting that there's some of you out here who are going to have my back when i expose it like this to the to the wolves out there and there's a lot of people who are saying we do have your back and so they do have a strong connection that way and by the way kennedy understands what trump's achilles heel is and it is it is not just operation warp speed but it's lockdowns and everything we've been talking about um this this past weekend um he did all that stuff and, and a lot of diehard Trump supporters like to pretend that it was Biden that did it. Mm-hmm. But Biden just took the tools that Trump created, all of these arbitrary expansions of government power, and said, hold my beer. Because yeah. I really know how to abuse government power. But it didn't start with Biden. It started with Trump. And Kennedy hammers that point, and I think I think that's one of his most powerful weapons. Yeah, and I agree. And I also, Angela, you said that a lot of the Trump voters probably overlap. And I think people underestimate. Like, look, the Ron Paul movement, Converted a lot of us. Ron, yeah. I, I'm here because of Ron Paul. I think, Angela, you're probably here because yep. of Ron Paul. Now, Kibbe, you've been around, you know, in the movement. Ron Paul, I mean, the Tea Party. I don't know if Ron Paul was your... You were in politics for a long time, but was he your kickstarter into hardcore libertarianism? No, no, no. I was... I Well, uh, Ron Paul wasn't even born yet when I became a libertarian, so... Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, well, who's got a big His dick? membership well, card was written dick. on a cuneiform <laughs> tablet. Um, <laughs> no, I... I I was one of the book libertarians. So I, I read uh, a Rush album, liner notes, when I was 13. Gross. Yeah, no, come on. Like, you don't like the dead or Rush? What do you, you I know, I don't. Are you, are you like five. a Taylor Swift guy? <laughs> no, High I'm not five. a Taylor Swift guy. I'm a, I'm a pavement guy. I'm a Dandy Warhol's guy, man. I'm a, I'm a talking heads guy. Okay, expand your palate a little bit. No. It'll be good for you. How dare you aggress on me? But but I became a libertarian before the internet and before Ron Paul. Um, That's hard to do because it was very hard to do, which is why I remain an optimist today. Because finding an Ayn Rand book that was that was dedicated to in a Rush album at a garage sale was a series of just random accidents that that allowed me to discover these ideas. And you know, fast forward to Ron Paul, but more importantly, fast forward to today. Yeah, one tweet can change the world, yeah. and and I don't care about the censorship stuff. Like we we have an opportunity to reach this massive audience, and I've gone down this rabbit hole. But it is very important that we appreciate the opportunity to think really big, and I think it goes back to your strategy. It's not just a big beautiful vision of what freedom looks like. It's that we have the tools to reach people that we don't we don't even know what they think. We don't know what their values are. We should be reaching those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, and, you know, it's funny, just circling back around to, like I said, Ron Paul, which started this, there is a, a portion of the vote. And this is why I'm so excited with, with Tucker Carlson, you know, talking about RFK, with uh, libertarians and, and de- you know, dissatisfied Democrats. But there's also the component of people where Ron Paul got a lot of traction because there are a certain amount of people in this world, 
and I am one of them for sure, that just say, fuck you. And they want to back somebody who is the embodiment of anti-establishment, of two middle fingers raised in the air. Now, Ron Paul's message obviously resonated with me with, uh, doing this for 15 years or whatever. It was but Trump embodied that to many people. And a lot of his support came from that. Bernie Sanders got a lot of support because people that were Trump voters then became Bernie voters because he was the double middle finger guy. RFK is now the biggest middle finger guy. And I think that people underestimate the power of that attraction to a large component of the voting populace. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's populism. And you'll see that a lot of RFK's supporters were Trump supporters, were Bernie supporters, yeah. they're, and they're, were they're Ron Paul supporters. They're not politically allegiant to anybody. Yeah. They're politically allegiant to the middle finger, I yeah. think. <laughs> which, is, which is honestly a fantastic way. If, if everybody's allegiant to the middle finger, we'd be well off as a society. <laughs> yep. The, the, the one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the, the skeptic here, the, the difference certainly between Ron Paul and uh, – I see the similarities between Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders. They were always that guy, mm. and they had been consistent for their entire careers, and I think that was one of the, the main attractions. Yeah, Bernie's always been a self-interested shill that's never worked a day. Now, Trump was all over the place because he, he, he certainly wasn't um, some sort of right-wing populist for most of his, his political allegiances, and Kennedy still has to convince me that the new version is the real one. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I've expressed some optimism that that's true, but... But, but we, it, it is different than Ron Paul in the sense is you, you could you could watch a YouTube video or an old video that's been translated to YouTube from the 1970s and see the same guy mm-hmm. that you'll see tomorrow when he gives a speech. Right. And so, that, that's special powerful. Yeah. Agreed. So how many more push-ups would RFK Jr. have to do for you to believe? Dude is him? so ripped. <laughs> He's like jacked. Motherfucker is jacked. I can't believe how in great shape he is. I probably don't want to vote for someone that's in better shape than I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any other questions? Or anything else? Well, first off, anything else you guys want to add in that you've been thinking of that you wanted to bring up? So who's running for president under the LP ticket? That's what we all want to know. Angela there's a There's a candidates panel tomorrow at 12 o'clock up at the tent between the Libertarian Party tent and the Free State-based uh, caucus tent. And there's three or four, something like that. There's three individuals. It's Mike Termat, Lars Mapstead, and Chase Oliver. Mm. So anyway, Lars Olstead and uh, Mike Termat will be there tomorrow. I have. <laughs> I, I will be speaking at the same time in the main stage pavilion. There you go. <laughs> I have one question. What? One quick, uh, it, no, you can ask on the air right now if you want. Just yeah, come over so we can we can hear you. Come come cl- close, 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 close. No, not that way. Go around this way. You're speaking the wrong side of the microphone. So one of my favorite lyrics from Rage Against the Machine is "Shake your fists and march around, but don't take what you need. We'll jail and bury those committed, and bury the rest in greed. Hmm. Crawl to me until tomorrow, or I'll drag you to your grave. I'm deep inside your children. They'll betray you in my name." That's from Sleeping Out on the Fire, if you remember it. I, I do not. Uh, sorry, no, I don't okay, know the song. Sorry, it's, it's about capitalism. Yeah, yeah. It's about the fact that, yeah, sorry. No, it's we'll a... We'll talk about it later, then. We'll talk about it later, All right, all good. 
Okay, so if there any other questions otherwise? No, no, no. All right, well, then we'll wrap it up. Guys, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Angela McArdle, of course, chair of the Libertarian Party, guys. Matt Kibbe of Free the People. Uh, can you both give out you know, where you want to be heard, where you want to be seen for anybody listening or watching? If you're interested in joining the National Libertarian Party, you can go to lp.org forward slash join. We would love to have you or your donations. Uh, you can follow me on uh, all social media. I'm all over the place. If you want to see the cool stuff I'm up to on my own, it's Angela McArdle. Uh, Dot com um, and you can find me on Patreon. Freethepeople.org. Uh, follow Free the People and myself, M. Kibby, on almost everything. And I have a show with Blaze TV called Kibby on Liberty. Uh, none other than Brian has, I mean, and you didn't embarrass us on that show, so that, that was cool. Yeah, I know. I got, I'm got. i saving that up for the next yeah. opportunity. And, we, and we're still <laughs> going to find a time for Angela to get on. Yes. Gotta do it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining me, Brian McWilliams, Angela McArdle, Matt Kibby, the Lions Liberty Network. And Mean Age Daydream, reminding you to, well done, Matt. Thank you. Put that as close to the... That was your closer, yeah. <laughs> to do it again. Wrecked up my sign-off. Woo! Good job. Keep those electric eyes on me, baby. Keep that ray gun to my head. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> that was so clean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>